requires a bit of physical energy. A bit of physical energy. Uh, uh, I, I, I feel, I sense, I know we are, today we are fatigued. Today we are tired, like we are physically tired today. And, and I can see it in, in almost all of our faces. We've had long weekends and busy weekends. So I can see that. So, so God will give us strength so that we can concentrate, okay? There are certain things that that will will be a bit new today as we speak, even to me as we speak. But there are things that are, are we are changing theological perspectives for the understanding and the full truth of the Spirit of God, so that the Church of God can enter it into its full manifestation. In a disclaimer. We're changing theological perspectives and theological teachings and, and, and some doctrines that have been there. It is not really a change, but it is it's an, it's an upgrade of revelation and understanding so that we can enter into a space of, of maturity and a space of fullness with God. Amen. Our topic today is, is reunion with the, with the Holy Spirit. You, reunion with the Holy Spirit. Reunion with the Holy Spirit. From last week, we've entered into a space where we are making covenant with the Spirit of God. We are engaging in covenant with the Spirit of God so that we can ride on Him. Because you, you have to understand something that when we begin to enter into covenants with God, we are not the signatory of those covenants. Because God tried to make us signatories of covenants with Him and it failed because the capacity of covenants that he puts out have we have no capacity to put out to put to to fulfill our end of the bargain as human beings we have no capacity to fulfill our end of the bargain in the covenants we enter into with God. What are covenants? Covenants are agreements, okay? Okay? So for example, uh, covenants are agreements, but they're not just agreements, they're agreements that are sealed, they're agreements that, 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 are, that are binding. When you enter into a covenant with someone, you are bound with that agreement. You are made to want us to regard the, the agreement you enter into. And the reason there was the pouring of blood to seal the covenant is because blood signifies life. And when you enter into an agreement that is life-binding, there had to be something of the significance of life that brought you together to say that if you break this covenant, you are actually putting your life on life. You're putting your life in life. You understand what I'm saying? So covenants were not just agreements. They were sealed by blood so that whomever broke the covenant, they were saying, I am ready to die. The consequence of not fulfilling covenant, the consequence of not fulfilling your end of the covenant, your end of your end of the bargain in the covenant was your life. That's why kings would go to war against each other when one king broke the covenant because it was not just disrespect, it was you have given me permission to take your life by breaking our agreement. You understand what I'm saying? So I am saying that the covenants that we enter into with God, we cannot be the signatories of those covenants because our blood, our life is living. 
limited. It is limited. That's why God had to make a new covenant with the blood of Christ and have Christ be the signatory of the covenant, Christ stand on our behalf, on behalf of us, so that he can come and sign the covenant because his life and his blood was limitless. It is not an irony, it is not a coincidence that he had to die first. He had to die first to signify the death of, of, of our inadequacy in fulfilling the covenant with God. So that when he died, not only blood was shed, but he came to life. And when he came to life, he took his blood to the throne room. After he had, he, he took his blood to the throne room so that he can, he can, he can put down, he can put down the covenant so that you and I come into a space where we are already dead in our inadequacy and live in a covenant of life that is limitless. So when we make the covenant with the Holy Spirit, it is not on us. It is not on us to fulfill the covenant because we are incapable of fulfilling the covenant, but we have entered into a relationship with him so that he can be able to bring us and hold us into the space where it is his power. It is his power that brings us into the space of the fulfillment of covenants with not only him, but with God. Amen. 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 So we do not have a covenant with God per se. We have a covenant through the Spirit, through Jesus Christ. We have a covenant through Jesus Christ. That's why it says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because it is only Christ that can fulfill the righteousness of God. But we have been made one with Christ, meaning that we have the righteousness of God. We not we have, we are the righteousness of God. So if you are not there, if you are not present, the righteousness of God is not there. But if you are not present, there is Christ to fulfill your end of your absence. So that the, uh, the righteousness of God is not devoid, it is not absent. Because God must be righteous. It is one of his attributes, it is one of his traits to be righteous. And he has decided not to be righteous by himself, but he has decided that you become his righteousness. So you are significant and an important attribute of God. Amen. Amen. From the beginning of scripture, we are introduced to the spirit of God. And one of the things that we are introduced to, the spirit of God that is not on the forefront of what you read, meaning that when you read it, you will not just see it, is that the domain of the spirit of God the domain of the spirit of God is up. I told you we are changing theological perspectives. The domain of the Spirit of God is earth. God is in threefold. He is not three, he is in threefold. There is God the Father, the Son, 
the spirit. The domain of the father is the throne. The domain of Christ is in you. The domain of the spirit is the earth. The heavens belong to the Father. You have a confusing relationship with Jesus because he is in you, you are in him. He is your head, you are in his body. So the domain of Christ is you. And that's why He is the image of the invisible God. You are the representation of Christ. And when people see you, they need to see Christ because you are Christ's domain. The domain of the Holy Spirit is the earth. And it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was stable. He was seated on where he belongs. Amen. Amen. Another thing that we need to change, another understanding that we need to change is Man is a spirit who has a soul and lives in a body. And we will change it by understanding that man is spirit, man is soul, man is body. Man. man is spirit, man is soul, man is body. Your body is a complex machine. Your body is a complex machine. The digestion of food in your body is not by accident or coincidence. It is a nature that is beyond the physicality that your body is orchestrating in the physical. You see, science begins to explain to the physical man, to the physical nature, what the spirit talks about and what man cannot understand because he has no relationship with the spirit. Science is a much more downgraded version of the gospel. Man is spirit. Man is soul, man is body. The moment these three things come into perfect alignment, that is when your body can walk through walls, your body can, 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 can. Because there's an alignment that we have to come to by the understanding that we carry and by the relationship that we have with the Father, with Christ, and with the spirit. Ask a neighbor to shake their head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
I'd encourage you to record. You will write. You will try to understand logically. It will not happen. Because even I do not understand. But we speak as we are given utterance because the moment we begin to speak, the seed is laid and we begin to grow in understanding. And that day when our understanding, you see, this is the other thing that I have learned. Understanding is not comprehending. Understanding is a level of awakening. That when you begin to understand, your spirit is awakened to a space and it pushes you into a space and things begin to happen because that is understanding. Understanding, understanding you are a man is not comprehending you are a man. When you understand you are a man, the things that men do, you do not ask how to do. Because you understand, you just do them. There is no man who goes to the toilet to pee and, 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 and they crouch. Because they understand their men and men know from inception they do understand. So there are things by the word of God that when we understand, it is not that we can explain them, it is that we can do them effortlessly. Amen? Amen. Where were we? I'm saying that man is spirit, man is soul, man is body. Why am I saying this? Why am I introducing the facet of God and the facet of man? It's because for us to come into reunion with the spirit. You see, this is the thing. When Adam was given up, he was given dominion over the earth. And remember, the earth is the domain of the spirit. So for Adam to orchestrate dominion, he had to have a relationship with the owner of the domain. Immediately, the relationship between Adam and the spirit is disconnected. Then the dominion of earth on over man is withheld. And ever since that moment, the spirit of God has been seeking a reunion. Until Christ came and the reunion between man and the spirit was done and the church came into being. But you see now the church is the body of Christ. Your body is a prophetic illustration of the church. Your body is a prophetic illustration of what the church is. The church is called the body of Christ. So when you begin to understand the function of your body and not think of your body as flesh, not think of your body as the body, not think of your body. You see, we have been taught, I beseech you therefore by the masses of God. To do what? Come on, say it. To present your bodies as living sacrifices. The understanding that has been implanted in us is that the body needs to be sacrificed, meaning to be put in a position where it cannot function in its authority and in its place, so that all the other facets can function. But that is wrong. That is wrong. It is a living sacrifice. How, where in the Bible do you see living sacrifices? There is nowhere there is a living sacrifice. 
But every time a sacrifice was placed on the altar, it was to give a way, it was to create a way for God the Father to begin to speak. It was to create a portal, it was to create a route for God to begin to speak. But now Christ comes and dies. The lamb that was slain. He was a lamb that was slain. He was a lamb that was slain. He was a lamb that was living. So that you and I can take the place of the body of Christ. So that we can be a sacrifice that is living. Meaning living it does not come to an end. It's a sacrifice that has eternal life. It does not come to an end. It does not burn and be consumed. Meaning that the sacrifice will always be there on the altar. Meaning that there will be a continual portal between heaven and earth where God begins to speak to man because man is a living sacrifice and man is not subjecting his body to a, to a prison so that the spirit can function. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. You are a living sacrifice. It is your body that is to be made a living sacrifice because the function of your body is irreplaceable. The function of your body is irreplaceable. For Satan to come and disconnect you from God, he cannot use your spirit. He cannot use your mind. He will always use your body. So it will come to your mind that Mantene is a Dangani. But until your tongue begins to lie, then you have not given access. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have not given access for you to be corrupted and for you to be separated and for you to cut out the sacrifice or remove the sacrifice from the altar. Amen? Amen? So, your body has a special and specific assignment. Your body has a special and specific assignment. In the scripture, when I read it, I see human bodies in heaven. But yet, religion has taught us that for us to go to heaven, we have to get to discard our human we have to discard our human bodies. The resemblance of the men and women in heaven is not that of a spirit. It is that of a physical body. Amen. Christ died. His body did not decay. That's why scripture says, and your body shall not see decay. Because there is a special function. And that is why that when he returns, those that were buried must be raised. They will not take a spiritual body. They will take a human body when they are raised. Because there is a special function. Amen. There is a special function for your hair. It is not just to take in chemicals. There is a special function for your nails. It is not just to be laid on teams and 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 and, and. there's a special function. It is not just to, to cut to chop to chop the edges for, for, for men and, and get a good cut haircut so that uh, it is not just that. 
There is a special function that your body carries that if it is not taken, if it does, if we not come to the understanding of what the human body is, then we do not come to the fullness of, of the operation of the spirit. There is no way God would make man in threefold and have a useless act, a third, a whole third of man useless. Two thirds, spirit, soul, body. And then body is useless. It's not possible. It is not possible. Because God is intentional. He is intentional. And everything he creates, he creates for a purpose. So he did not just create your body for you to carry a spirit and then, and then kill the body and then the spirit evacuates and evaporates. It is not boiling water. Okay? So there is a special place, there is a special relationship for the spirit and the body. I was telling you that your body is a prophetic, it's a prophetic illustration of the body of Christ. In the Old Testament, I know we teach it, we, 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 we taught it and say that the spirit of God would come upon them. But now the spirit of God is in us. So we are better than them. But you see, we have become better, but the Spirit of God does not come upon us so, that, so we don't function as them. The Spirit of God is in us. So we, tell, we say, oh, and the Spirit of God, when we read prophets, and the Spirit of God came upon prophet so-and-so, and he began to prophesy. So when we come to this new covenant, there is, there is, there is a revelation that we have taught, I have also taught it. I have also taught it, but God is up to creating us. Amen. <laughs> so, so we don't function as Elijah did, as Elisha did. Why? Because the Spirit of God, we have not learned how to allow the Spirit of God to come upon us. And when it says it is upon us, it is literally upon us. Jesus, the Son of God, was baptized. And when he came out of the water, the Spirit of God, like a dove, came and rested on his shoulders. The Spirit of God, like a dove, did not come, did not come down and do a Nigeria Indian movie thing and enter into him. No, he rested on his shoulders. Because the domain of the Spirit is the earth. And what interacts with the earth is the body. Your spirit has no capacity to interact with the earth. Your spirit just has a capacity to interact with the heavens. Why? Because the domain of you is Jesus. And Jesus is that living sacrifice that opens you up and opens up the portal for the Father to speak. So when the Father speaks to your spirit, there is a need for an interaction of the body. The body needs to be equipped so that it can interact with the earth. The physical will never understand what happens in the spirit, but we can understand what comes to them through the physical. Amen. So I lay hands on the sick and they are healed. Why? Because the spirit and the power of the spirit is not in my spirit. It is on my body yeah. to interact with the physical. The physical answers are not in the spirit. They are brought by the spirit. 
They are not in the spirit. They are on the body. We need to wear them. That's why I say we need to wear the spirit of God, the presence of God like a garment, so that when we enter into physical spaces, it is what is on our physical that communicates. Amen. 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 There's a special relationship between the spirit and the body. In a perfect state, in perfect truth, in all truth, which the spirit of God leads us into, there is no separation of the physical and the spiritual. Our problem is that we have always separated the physical and the spiritual. Because we do not, the reason why, one of the reasons why, and a major reason why we do not operate in the realms of the spirit like it is easy, is because there is a separation. The spirit of God is willing to take you physically into the spirit and take the spirit into the physical. You know why there's a perfect alignment? Because when the, the, the order of, the one who gives order in the physical, who is you? By the power of the Spirit. Jesus says, Jesus tells the disciples, we're about to get into an overload. Jesus tells the disciples, he tells the disciples that wait until the Spirit of God comes. Wait. He had already died, he had already resurrected. But he tells them, wait until the Spirit of God that comes. And when he comes, you will become witnesses. Let me tell you what a witness is. A witness is someone who has seen. We don't, people don't come to Jesus because the people who are, people are not witnesses. They are people, they are, they are, they are salesmen. You're only a witness if you have seen. A witness is a system of the tradition where a witness comes to testify on behalf of someone. And they come to testify of that which they have seen and experienced. So they say, Aseka did not kill that man because when, when, when you say that Aseka killed that man, I was with Aseka. We were out having drinks. So Aseka did not kill. How do you know? Here are evidence. There is a witness. There is a witness who was with Aseka at the time of the crime. So he says, wait until the Spirit of God comes. And when the Spirit of God comes, you will become witnesses. So the Spirit of God comes not only to empower us to witness, He comes to open our eyes so that we can see. It is not spiritual eyes that see. For you to open up your spiritual eyes, your physical eyes have to be open. The gateway to your spiritual eyes is your physical eyes. And people who have seen visions, they will tell you. They don't see them through spiritual eyes. 
I see them through physical eyes. Even when you're sleeping and you're having a dream, you don't see through spiritual eyes, you see through physical eyes. And this is what you say, I cannot remember. I cannot remember back clearly. I cannot remember if I have seen blue or purple. The Spirit is gentle. The Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit is not forceful. He is a gentle ruler. In that he comes and he gives you permission to allow him. Okay? Okay? But the Spirit of God is undergoing a frustration. Spirit of God is undergoing a frustration because there needs to be a relationship between you and I for him to function. Yeah. Remember, you are not you. You are a small part of the body. You are a small part of the body of Christ. And for the body of Christ to function, it needs to wear the garment of the Spirit. With Christ being the head, the body needs to wear the garment of the Spirit because there must be a relationship between the Spirit and the body. There must be a symbiotic relationship where, where the body functions intertwined, like the Spirit and the body takes the you hear Paul say that this I don't know whether I was in the spirit or in the flesh. Because he has come to a place where there is a symbiotic relationship between the spirit and the flesh. That the spirit overshadows the flesh and the flesh overshadows the spirit. And, the, and when the flesh, by flesh I mean physical, I don't mean flesh. Okay? So, so that you get the fear. So the flesh inter there's a there's a there's an intertwining relationship. So in a year, in a in a year in talk apaka akiriako in a sino understand. Okay, so am I seeing this in the spirit? Am I seeing, seeing this physically? Then some 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 people who are in the school of prophetic, I hear them say, uh, you cannot observe things and prophesy. You need to see them in the spirit and then prophesy. But there are times I have looked at people and seen wrinkles on their faces and God begins to show me things. I didn't see them in the spirit. I, I saw them physically. I saw I just saw wrinkles. And God opens up my spirit and there is a, a symbiotic relationship between my physical life and my spiritual life. And now I begin to hear, I begin to see. I begin to hear, I begin to see. Understand what I'm saying? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you see someone and something on their faces triggers something in the spirit because there is a there is an intertwining between your physical and your spirit. It's called the relationship, the relationship of the spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews. 
Brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Can someone help me? Verse 3. For one of his for this, for this one has been counted worthy more, of more glory than Moses. He's talking about Christ. Inasmuch as he who builds the house has more honor than the house. Somebody read, somebody read, somebody read. Yet Jesus has been considered worthy of much greater glory and honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has more honor than the house. All right, before we go there, let me, let me go back to something. Before there were temples, there were tabernacles. Okay? Tabernacles were tents. So, and then we moved from the space of tents into building temple. The temple thing. The temple was something that was brought about by David. The idea of a temple was brought about by David and then established by Solomon. So before that there was no temple. There were tabernacles. There were tents. And these tents had the inner you you read you your Bible of heart or heart stories of preachers preach. The two are possible. So the 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 tabernacle of Moses, that is what it is called, was given to Moses by God. God tells Moses, he gives him instruction, tells him to build according to how he saw. And tell him according to what you saw in heaven. According to what you saw in heaven. So Moses was there. Okay? Okay? You can appear in heaven physically. You can appear in heaven. And we look for you for a day or two, three, four. <laughs> we can print out posters of things you do. Then you come back and tell us where you are. And of course, we want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> we want to believe. Because we, we want to see something you have carried on your body. Is that what I'm saying? Then I will have. Then 
So when 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 you begin to do this this logistics, put into account logistical measures of food in a scrolls kada kofia ya ya aron. Physical things. So put it, put it like I'm your God, man. Then you You know your people. You know your people. No people. They won't believe my word. So give me something, okay? So Moses went and he came with something. <laughs> and he built that thing. And when he built that thing, there was God came, God came, God came, God came. Because this is what I said, and I will say it here again. I didn't say it here, I have, but I said it before. The tabernacle of Moses was not built for me and I. It was built more so for God. God says. Build something that I can come and visit my people. Build something that will attract me. Man, I am. I miss my people. I miss my people, but they can't. What what they are? What they are cannot attract me. So build for me this temple as you saw in heaven, and there I will come and meet my people. Before that, he used to send a pillar of fire. A cloud, he would send angels, he would send da da da, he would send Moses. But he told him, Build for me a tabernacle according to the patterns that you saw in heaven, that I may come and visit my people. The people had no need for a tabernacle. So I can't help you with that at the moment. Yes. But she can't help me at the moment. <laughs> so Moses built the tabernacle, but it was not meant for people to go and worship. It was that the people were short. They were short of something. But God wanted something that He would that would that would resonate with Him. That would vibrate at the same frequency that He does. And that it would attract him. And when he, when the tabernacle was built, he used to come. And when he used to come, this is how I really know it was not for the people. The people feared going in. What can be a Moses for you? Well, because the relationship between God and us was not to be that of. So Moses built it. And when Moses built it, he built it according to the fashion of God. And God would come. And then we go into spaces of temples. And because now this scripture is written, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's written in the times where there were temples. The temple was built so, so that it could, it could create a space for God to come. 
So you are, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit so that God can see something that resonates with him so that he can come. God is saying, but say, I want to see my people. I want to see my people. Moses, build me. You are Moses now. Build me. Build me a house that I can come and meet with my people. And then Jesus comes and dies. And when Jesus comes and dies, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. And then you are told that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why are you the temple? Why is your body the temple of the Holy Spirit? So that when you can walk around, people can come and see God. Amen. People can come and see God. So, so when God looks at your body, he looks at something that resonates with him, something that calls out on him. Your body has the capacity to naturally call out on God without you opening your mouth. Because if it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit must come and deal with it. You understand what I'm saying? Let's finish. We'll pick up next week. We'll go somewhere. I don't know where. But let's go somewhere. We'll pick up from Hebrews. Can I have a Holy Communion? Pick up from you, pick up from there, pick up from that, and we continue to mix, continue to mix in our mouth. Let me have this up. The reunion with the Holy Spirit, because we must bring up our bodies to that space. We must give our bodies to that space and we start up.